one. Spags, it's Tuesday. Everyone knows the drill. You, me, Best Ball Mania 4, $3 million top prize. Will it be one of us today? And Brees Hall, Ramondre Stevenson, they both have got backups now coming for their touches. So we all know pets' heads are falling off today, Pete. And the good news, we could look to one reliable place in the draft room for you. The 12 hole is going to be where you're drafting from today in our Best Ball Mania 4. Yes, uh, I did actually just post on Twitter um, my exposures because, you know, sometimes it like feels anecdotal, like, oh, you always get this spot, but sometimes it's nice to check the data. And I do have the 110 has been my spot. I have 15% of my drafts have been from the 110. I'm at 7% 101, 6% uh, 102, 7% 103. And then also bizarrely, 6% 108 and 4% 111. So it, it's really just been a concentration of round pick 10 that is pulling from all of my average draft slots. And now we get to draft from the 112 again today. I mean, pick 10, though, I do think if you're going to get a spot a lot, and this might be me trying to find the bright side for you, that's at least one where you get some optionality. Like you could take a running back there. You could take one of the, the five to six receivers in that range who are palatable. So if nothing else, you have a pretty good choose your own adventure from that one spot. Yeah, I, I honestly haven't hated it, too, because in a lot of the rooms, I do feel like the two players you get there in the early second round do kind of beat the combos, even when a Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, like you can get absolutely wiped out there. We've seen lots of people, um, you know, reach there just to get combos, right? Like you've taken Christian Watson, people will do the Mark Andrews and Lamar Jackson thing and I not that I think that's you know objectively bad but it just uh, goes to show there is a tear gap of talent there so that is what I will hang my hat on it honestly doesn't bother me I just like variety and I like drafting different types of teams getting different pockets of players and that's been tough to do with well it's all right let's take another Keenan Allen share at uh at 310 here yeah, I was thinking of taking another Bijan Robinson share guy that I am trying to pack up uh, my bags for a little bit. Um, still kind of down on Austin Eckler, so I will go with a familiar start for myself with Stefan Diggs, who is shockingly exposed for me, Pete, as a guy who is drafted in the eighth spot normally. Yeah, uh, Stefan Diggs, I've, I've been a little light on him. I, this is the, the cliche and I keep fighting myself into. I've been doing a ton of weekly winners draft spags and I've been like boosting up my digs exposure uh, in weekly winners. So I prefer him in weekly winners is my new tagline. Interesting. I guess that that seems like that has some logic to it. Whatever that logic is, I'm sure you'll be talking about later with Hayden. I saw you got the big guest booking for your weekly winners addiction and now you get two picks here in the regular best ball mania. Yeah, I've had so many uh, picks in this range that I am starting to mix and match. And so like normally I would just do like a CD Lamb and Garrett Wilson. Um, but, you know, with all of this new settling and no Zeke heading to Dallas, I do really think uh, Pollard is going to be deserving of this pick here in, in short order. So I'm going to do a Garrett Wilson, Tony Pollard pairing, which I do not have yet. Did you see this in the chat? Hmm. <laughs> Anthony Richardson officially the week one starter. Spags, that was always that's if he wasn't the week one starter, you were overdrafting him by like six rounds. <laughs> no, I think that that's been built. I know we've debated this. I think that's been built to the market price that there was the worry about him not starting until after the bye week kind of stuff, maybe a little bit earlier. I wanted the official confirmation, but uh, I'm elated and I'm gonna celebrate by taking Jalen Waddle. The I to me like. It never, the worry was never him starting. The The worry was him being so bad that he gets benched for Gardner Minshew. That, that was the worry. Uh, no, so. you, you can't bench a guy who's the number four pick who's like the future of your franchise like that. 
I don't think he could start and then they pull him back. Like he's not, you that's like, how you make a Zach Wilson. Like the Jets did with Zach Wilson? Yeah, yeah like that's exactly, making a Zach Wilson, making a murderer kind of a thing. Well, no, I'm, I'm saying if he's that bad, he will get benched. Uh, but yeah, his price tag spags, like where you guys were driving, like he absolutely had to be the starter. You do not draft backup quarterbacks in round 10, much less round seven. So I, I think, he, yeah, sorry, God. No, I was just going to say, like, if you're cheering the guy you've been taking in the seventh round being a starter, it means you were probably overdrafting him to begin with. I think that the cost of him going down to the 100s was accounting for the fact that I'm sure some more data came in, people obviously pushing back on the AR stuff. But I do think Christian Watson going to pecan, uh, pecan here in the one hole with Justin Jefferson, um, I think that he was priced to have the risk of him still not starting for a stretch of the season, whether it be the whole season, whether it be, you know, some portion of it. I think he was still being drafted for the ceiling, which is that we know with how fantasy QBs perform the cam Newtons, of course, the Lamars, uh, the Josh Allen's in his rookie year. Those guys had 40 point ceilings. I think his ADP price was where it was because of the ceiling. It wasn't because they thought he was going to start. I think now that we know he's going to start, I think he goes 80 to 90. Um, I, I do not think uh, I don't think his anything with his ADP should change based on on this. Like I I just firmly believe that his ADP was already baking that in. Now, will the market react differently? Sure, maybe because like any news moves guys up, right? Like I've seen screenshots of Dalvin Cook going in the fourth round. Like mm. literally nothing has really changed. We all knew he was going to end up on a team. We knew he was going to be have a secondary role behind another back. And I think his price tag was fair, kind of where it settled, you know, in, in the ninth round or whatever. But just because of news, drafters are going to react. So I won't disagree with you there. I could definitely see drafters pushing him up, but I, I do not think anything has changed for Anthony Richardson. I'm just glad to have the final confirmation here, but we can continue to talk about this for the next hour. Pete, what are you going to do with your two picks? I want to I want to do an experiment where I see where uh, I want to see where Ramondre and Brees Hall uh, are falling in this new landscape. So I'm going to grab a couple of wide receivers here. Uh, and go with Keenan Allen and Jerry Judy, and we'll see what what happens with uh, Ramondre and Brees. I also just want to push back quickly against this uh, chat from Creamy Sauce here. Waddle over Josh Allen when you have Diggs is a clear-cut no-no. Um, a, Allen it, like falls a lot to the spot where I took Mark Andrews. That's part of why I did it actually on the stream last week with Pete, uh, but I don't think that's a no-no. You want to push Josh Allen. You don't want to get the exact very chalky configuration of uh, Diggs at 8 and Waddle uh, and Allen at 17. Yeah, and I mean... That has been a pretty normal one. When you get in a really big badge bro room, the quarterbacks will often fall to their stacking partners. So that's when you get the AJ Brown with Hertz in the third. You can get the digs with Josh Allen. That's not that rare. I would say from where you're drafting Spags, if it was a badge heavier room, I'd say what? Allen comes back to the digs drafter 25% of the time, I would yeah. say. Yeah, maybe, maybe a third. Yeah, somewhere in that range. Yeah, so I mean, it... I don't think you ever have to reach and in most draft rooms have kind of acknowledged that uh, you don't need to, to make the reach there. Uh, although this, this room is weird, right? We have Burrow going at pick 26 to Y Raz. Like he was terrified that someone was going to take Joe Burrow. I, I'm telling you why Raz, no one was going to take him when you have chase and Higgins there. And then Pequon, our guy uh, here goes Najee along with Christian Watson. So that is a way to get unique. Although I would argue a lot of times in these rooms, you can get Justin Jefferson with Najee at the four or five turn. 
Yeah, I mean, look, he's sticking with the brand. That is a brand play. Uh, so certainly getting Najee there is a, a move. Uh, Najee, though, uh, Pete, actually, who is the guy that you've taken the most, I guess, of a, a different approach to, or at least had some priors confirmed with the weekend of the preseason stuff? Because I know you talked about a little bit on Best Ball Breakfast yesterday, but Najee, I feel like the usage in that game would worry me so much about taking him anywhere above ADP. And we obviously already were not taking him above ADP very often. Yeah, I think Jalen Warren was a was a pretty big winner of how they used him. Um, I don't know. I try, I'm trying not to be in the business of, uh, victory lapping, uh, preseason stuff. I mean, the big thing for me, I've been so heavy on the dolphins running back. So Dalvin not ending up in Miami has been a pretty big win for me because I believe if you tally my exposures, I'm at 50% dolphins running back. Like every other one of my drafts features a dolphins running back. Um, I assume that those guys are going to be on the rise here over the next week or two. So, uh, that one felt good. But I'm trying to think preseason one. I am a little worried about Dolchich. Uh, that was a guy I was drafting a lot. That one I think is a bit concerning, um, especially because I've kind of aggressively targeted him in the you know 12th, 13th round range when things dry up a bit. And now people are talking about getting him in the 150s. Um, I'm trying to think who who else was like a big mover or shaker based on preseason usage. Uh, I mean, I think those are some of the guys like the, the Najee Jalen Warren one, I think gave me the most confidence in my shares there. Um, I would say I worry a little bit or not a little bit. Cause I really didn't have a ton of shares of this guy, but he was an 18th round tack on for me a good amount. I think Dwayne McBride is like purely a week 17 play at this point. I don't think he's going to get an early season role or have any shot at it uh, with how he looked out there. Uh, but let me make a pick here. And also got to point out, I did take Ramondre at pick 41 here. So we can talk about uh, that drop coming up in a little bit. Um, nothing else correlating that I need to get right now, I think. So I guess I'll just take a DeAndre Hopkins value. Not my favorite guy as a boomer, but uh, a boomer player rather, but certainly somebody that I think makes sense in the mid fifties. That's a pretty good. Yeah. I, I, man, I can't remember the last time I've seen Hopkins fall that far. He normally doesn't get past the four or five turn. Uh, 56 is, is definitely pretty nice there. Yeah, I feel pretty good about that one. The Ramondre thing, Pete. So I took him because I had digs. I might have been willing to let him slide further here. I took him at 41. He still has that posted ADP of 29. Where does Ramondre go for you in drafts, or does he go? You. This is my first draft since the uh, since the Zeke news. Um, but you're saying, like, where do I think he should yeah, go? Yeah, where theoretically, yeah. Or, I mean, make I your pick. Yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah, that. I think he should be a, a three, four turn pick. I think you could slide him down a, a smidge. But again, like, all of all of the projections and stuff were already baking in New England adding someone or having a second uh, back. So I don't think much changed there. I'm trying to decide what I want to do here. Um, duh, 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 duh. We'll grab. I've been trying to boost my Marquise Brown just a smidge lately. So I'll grab him. And then I just want to decide, do I want to play this through the tight end? I have been boosting my Kittle up. Being at 6%, George Kittle feels a little light to me. So, uh, yeah, we're going to grab Marquise Brown and George Kittle there. I think um, I think Brees is the more interesting one in that it does, to me, indicate that they're not 100% confident about him being able to carry a full load right out of the gate. So I would not be surprised to see Dalvin being the lead back for the first few weeks and then kind of easing Brees in. Maybe they use him more on passing downs. And then once he gets rolling, we see that flipping. Whereas with Ramondre, I mean, he's the lead back. Zeke's going to come in, have the breather role. He's going to do a poor man's Damian Harris. Seeing uh, our guy, Nick Rudman, saying he could be uh, set up for a Jamal Williams-esque season of TD vultures. I think that would require the Patriots offense to be much better than expected if they're going to have that many goal line opportunities. But to me, 
this doesn't change things much for Ramondre. And I think the Brees thing, it definitely should, should ding him. I don't know, six, seven slots. I think this is something too that I know I talked about in a solo stream. I forget if we talked about it together, but it was in the athletic a couple of weeks ago that they mentioned that um, at this point, like when they were kicking the tires on Zeke and cook and uh, did they bring Fournette in? they definitely had a third back. They brought in at some yeah. point. Um, James cook going at 68, by the way, that's pretty crazy. Um, but I think that that was something they mentioned where they were like, if we don't see something big out of Kevin Harris or Pierre strong in the next few weeks, we're going to add depth here. And they said it outright to the beat reporter. So I think it's a worse sign for Pierre strong and Kevin Harris that they didn't show enough. You can go to the preseason box score. They didn't put up much yardage wise. They really didn't take what was on the field even. Um, so I think that's something where that reflects more upon them. Whereas the Brees one, I agree. Like, I think that reflects a little bit more on the confidence in Brees' health, the confidence in his ability to get out there, and also really more so the control that Aaron Rodgers has over this team, where this is a guy that he wanted. It's a guy he's played against. Like, you know, this is the kind of thing that, um, you know, well, we, we were battle competing out there, and now we are on my team. Like, that's the thing that old vets love to do. And I think for him, like, that's what that means, which it's not great for Brees for sure, but I don't think it's great for Dalvin either. Like, Dalvin's going to go in the sixth round, and that's just such a steep price tag for him. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of these teams, um, they have like PTSD from the end of the season. You we could we could name like six, seven teams that were down to their third string running back because of injuries. And you look at the Jets, right? They they are like scrambling when Brees goes down. They're like, Michael Carter isn't it. Um, let's trade for James Robinson or whatever. Okay, shit, that's not working. Uh, okay, let's get this UDFA, you know, <laughs> Zodovan Knight. Okay, that's kind of working. And I think these coaches are just like, I we I want redundancy i want resiliency at the running back position i do not want to be stuck having to give pierre strong carries giving zonovan knight carries and everyone's just kind of finally adding their depth did it ever come out how much of the contracts were base versus incentives because i feel like we hear the up to you know mm -hmm. eight million if he reaches certain performance did we ever get what the base money was on those I think that they said that Zeke was 6 million flat. So he's getting paid a little bit less than Miles Sanders was year to year, which I think checks out. And then the Dalvin one was up to 8.5, but he probably also got the 6 million. So if I had to guess like 6 million is just the price tag right now for uh, a free agent running back with some value. Yeah. 7 million. Base. Dalvin cook 7 million base. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I, I don't know. I think it's kind of interesting that that's something with, with those guys now where that's the price that you got to see like JK Dobbins might get a long-term contract. And I think that for him, that's probably nine to $10 million a year. So yeah. you're, you're seeing the running back market, like fully come what it's going to be the next few years right now in real time. And I'll give, I'll give credit to these backs because I, I, I was pretty uh, confident that the dolphins were not going to cave. Uh, I did think if it was most likely to be the jets, right. They're, they're getting ready for their Super Bowl run. They've done the all-in stuff. But to me, these running backs still didn't even have this leverage. Like, who who were they worried was going to give Dalvin more than $7 million, you know, in these spots? It does seem to me like the teams caved and capitulated more than these running backs. Like, they didn't even have to wait for an injury, per se, for something to to open up there. So I don't know. I think it's kind of interesting and, and good on the players for getting that money because I think the teams could have waited them out even more. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that they, if this little strike didn't happen here, and, and frankly, if the Patriots didn't sign Zeke, I kind of wonder if the Jets would have punted the Dalvin thing further, where it felt a little bit musical chairsy for them, where it's like, oh, we don't want to end up with none of these running backs. But I don't. It's it's a weird time for them for sure. Tough to negotiate there, but at least they got some guaranteed money and now can ruin fantasy players' years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. All right, I want to see. Kind of normally, like I feel like at this rage, I'm. I don't have that many options. I have like a ton of different ways I could go here. 
I think what I want to do is maybe build out something with Dallas a bit here. I have Pollard. So let's do Cooks. And then, man, I still just can't help myself packing some of my... Uh, I'm debating right now between Burks and Swift. Um, you yeah, know, I, I can't... Yeah, I think. <laughs> I know. I think I have to do Swift. Uh, I already have Marquise Brown a little week 17. I've been saying I want to do that. Um, I'm going to have plenty of chances to keep drafting uh, Traylon Burke. So we'll, we'll grab DeAndre Swift and Brandon Cooks here. So my team through eight rounds, we got Pollard and Swift at running back. We got five wide receivers, Garrett Wilson, Keenan Allen, Jerry Judy, Marquise Brown, and Brandon Cooks, and then uh, George Kittle at tight end. And I was considering a falling Javante here, but I do think if I have Hopkins at the discount, I should take Burks at a slight discount here. So I've got Ramondre and Akers as big values. Diggs, Waddle, DeAndre Hopkins, reach for George Pickens, Traylon Burks, and then Mark Andrews. I like this team. This has been a weird room, Pete. A lot of badges in here, but it feels like the ADPs are also much like running back contracts shifting in real time. Yeah, that has to be one of the cheapest uh, Hopkins-Burks pairings, but mainly because of Hopkins. You know, I think Burks is kind of settled in that range, but Hopkins at 56 and then Burks at 89 to get that combo otherwise, right? Like if you assume Hopkins is generally going at the 4-5 turn at the latest, you're basically having to take Burks in the 75-76 range or whatever to pair him. Otherwise, he's not coming all the way back around in the 8. So um, definitely a cheap uh, pairing there. Yeah, I'm also confused why Akers fell 13 picks. I guess that's just kind of Cam Akers football. Like people, people just don't like Cam Akers sometimes and he falls. But um, one guy who hasn't had any news at all, all offseason is Cam Akers. Yeah, this is a funny one. So Chunk the Deuce is lamenting that I didn't go Lamb Pollard. So I actually, you know, one of the things that I, I like running back wide receiver pairings, I ended up doing it with Pollard and Cooks here. But I am not... I, and I've talked about it on the show before. I do not go out of my way to slam, you know, correlation in the first couple of rounds. And the way I would actually like to play this, and I don't, not that I'm saying like Pollard and Lamb are um, are bad, but I do think they're like 95th percentile outcomes. They're like week 17 wins you $3 million outcomes are negatively correlated, right? Like the 30 burger from Pollard is probably not going to result in a 30 burger from Lamb. And so I like the idea of, having a correlated bet, but then it's like, I want the Garrett Wilson alpha game, right? And then I need the Pollard game there, as opposed to being like both of my top two picks, I don't feel like can hit their true ceilings together at the same time. And now we could use the buzzword, could they ping pong weeks through the fantasy playoffs, a lamb game, a Pollard for sure. But I think then when you get to week 17, I don't necessarily love spending my first two picks on two teammates there. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. Uh, I think the one thing I worry about, for, not worry about for your portfolio, but I think to me that we view it differently is, you know, the biggest correlation is always wide receiver one versus wide receiver one. And you never take those week 17 correlations early because you'd like to tack them on late. And I do wonder if sometimes in your portfolio, if maybe you're missing the true upside of like, I, like I, this wouldn't be possible, but Lamb, Pollard, and Amon Ross St. Brown. Like how do those guys both get 30-point games? Amon Ross going off on the other side. But because you never target that, I feel like sometimes that's one thing in your exposures that you don't have very much of. But I know you view it differently than I do. Yeah, because my whole thing, correlation is a is the boost you want for ancillary and tertiary pieces that can't get there otherwise. That's where correlation shines through. All of these guys who go in the top 25 to 30 picks, they can get there in any game environment because they're studs. And I actually think that their real ceiling outcomes become slightly negative correlated with each other. Not the opposition stuff, but from 
the same team there. And it's why I don't like doing the Hertz, Devonta Smith, AJ Brown stuff. I think it makes it really hard to actually progress through the gauntlet when you're that reliant on the same team with your top three picks. Also, I need to point out to the chat, I did have a bit of a come to Jesus moment there where I did want to get my first AR share on the day. He's announced as a starter, uh, but we had James Conner 24 picks after ADP, and I think I just needed to scoop that. There you go, Spags. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so so only, take, only 28 drafts left. I got to get some good ADP in. I am going to take Dak here. I, I wish I could get a little bit more of a value on him, but I don't. Where's the CD Lamb drafter? The CD Lamb. Yeah, I don't think... Mark, would you take, there's no way Dak's coming all the way back around. So we will just grab him here. And then let's see. You know, I do think, I do think A-Chain is going to keep rising. And I want to get out ahead of that a little bit. So I'm going to grab him here um, instead of Gibson. Gibson would have been obviously the other guy. I would take there. Brian Robinson goes one pick before. I thought the usage for both Robinson and Gibson was really encouraging from the preseason. They played similar amount of snaps, ran similar amount of routes. Like it seems like you might be, do you remember like the old school um, Tevin Coleman, Devonta Freeman thing for the Falcons (laughs) where they Mm -hmm. basically just use them interchangeably um, and they would kind of, one would do one drive and they would each get goal line work. They would each get pass catching work. Like if that's how they end up using both um, Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson, I think uh, both of those guys can smash their ADP there. So this that was me wrestling with Gibson or A-Chain in that spot. And here's me wrestling. I, I can't pass on AR falling here. I have nothing correlated with him. But, the, you know, look, the will of the people here, I'm giving in. I was going to say I'll draft him on the next stream. I'll be doing it on the Splash Play channel. But no, AR, come on down. He's starting. Put the jersey on. Give the people what they want, Pete. There you go, Spags. Uh, they want to see me change clothes like a Mr. Rogers live on stream at all below. So <laughs> AR starting day. <laughs> hey got but Spags, doesn't this uh, throw out your theory of, you know, he's going to start moving up drafts. How didn't he fall past ADP in this one? This room's just not that sharp. Six percent. Six percent is such a, a healthy amount of, of AR to have. You, you've got to be proud of me because it was at like one percent for a while. I'm glad it's close to the, the mandatory exposure. I hope that now you have the full confidence of the team behind him. Did you watch the preseason game? Like, did you watch any of that? I know that's like not your wheelhouse. No. OK, so he looked so he had a bad pick on the first drive, but it wasn't his fault. And they, the team like made sure to say it very loudly afterwards and have Isaiah McKenzie personally take the blame for it because he misread or whatever. But then the last drive he had was just him moving the ball downfield, running, uh, had a nice pass to Alec Pierce that Pierce dropped. That would have been a touchdown. But like that was the glimpse of what it could be every game. And if you put his stats against four quarters, he would have had 270 passing yards, I think 30 rushing yards like it would look pretty good for him. Spags, you were doing the just the classic Twitter preseason reaction. Uh, one George Pickens catch saying you can't draft Deontay Johnson over him, and then eerily quiet when Anthony Richardson throws his pick, just doing the just totally cherry picking which things in preseason matter and which don't. So I, I give you a, a round of applause for being the classic fantasy football Twitter personality. In fairness, I was you know, on Luca duty here, solo Luca duty this weekend while Alex was at a bachelorette. So I didn't have time to fully commit to all the takes. But I mean, that pick and play, that was the one thing you couldn't do last year was break a tackle, cut it downfield. And and for AR, just you want to see the glimpses of genius there. And I saw enough that it's like watching Mozart play one or two keys out of things, it's not playing the whole song. You're like, whoa, this guy must be good at piano. 
I, I do think like preseason has to be the ultimate confirm your priors, you know, mm-hmm. social experiment for, for everyone in their bags. It's like, so it is honestly the easiest thing to write off. Like we were talking about how we like Jalen Warren. Someone was in the chat being like, well, they didn't play Najee that much. That's good for him. Like you could literally spin everything. Like you, you could be like, uh, I could put my head in the sand about Greg Dolchich and just be like, oh no, no, they're, they're resting him. You know, he's, uh, Sean Payne's trying to see what he has in Adam Troutman. Like you can, you can spin whatever usage thing you want uh to tell yourself a story of why it is good or bad for your bags our guy ian harditz i think made that case too about because people love Brees, people have loved Ramondre all offseason he's like watching yeah. people do the gymnastics to justify how this will be good for both like you gotta accept that sometimes you don't get good clv sometimes you do and sometimes it's somewhere in between and it probably doesn't matter relative to the overall construction of your team yeah and see i i do think i'm of the mind that so I think where ADPs settle, like the market is generally pretty efficient. Like I, I think where kind of the Ramondre in Brees ADPs had settled, we're baking in free agent running back risk. You know, I, I think if you said no one is signing in these spots, that those guys would have moved up meaningfully. And so I feel like the market was already baking it in. Now, does the market overreact to then news? Yes, but I actually think where they had settled before was pretty fair. And so now I do think you're going to get really good deals on, on Brees and Ramondre because I think that people are going to double count it. It was already baked in, but they feel they have to react somehow. So let's, let's, let's push it down. Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it. And I'm curious to see what you do with your two picks here in your little one, three, five, one build. Yeah, this is mad. This is one of the exact spots where I would normally take Dolchich. And now that he's going to like 150. but the thing is, is in this spot, I can't, um, I can't get the value on him when you're picking at the at the turn. You know what? I have not I have been wanting to grab a little Rashi Rice, so let's grab him. Um the other thing I could do, hmm. Man. This is no fun. <laughs> I've been feeling that in a lot of pockets lately in draft rooms. You know, yeah, and I have been out on him. Man, you know what? I'll I'll just continue to get ahead of some risers here. I'll get a Denver guy. If I'm not going to do Dolchich, uh, I'm going to go ahead and grab Mims here, uh, well ahead of ADP uh, instead of my normal Dolchich pick there. So did not like that that turn whatsoever. I also need to pull up the chat from Mike here. Uh, maybe there's too much emphasis on week 17 correlation now. Like who really wants to AZ bring back going up against Philly? I mean, that's one where I get you can play the blowout narrative and all that. But the way that Mike is talking, Pete, I think is why you do want week 17 correlations because people are nickel and diming them. And they're so infrequently used. And that's the one thing they can give yourself a little bit of an edge if you actually do push a finalist there. And you can still take Michael Wilson. Like there's guys you can go to even if you think it's going to be a blowout build. So I just I think I don't like that take very much. Well, here's the thing that I think is and I, I I'm going to post a best ball tip video. And I talked about this on best ball breakfast where people are willing to think about week 17 correlation from like a true correlation standpoint. Like I want guys from multiple teams that are going against each other, but then they're not applying their player takes through a week 17 lens as well. You know, they'll be like, Oh, I can't, can't play this guy. He's not playing in 11 personnel or like this guy's behind him on the depth chart. And it's like, okay, that's optimizing for week one. You're out here correlating week 17, but then you're worried about usage in week one based on how you're sliding guys up the board. So that's where I feel like there's cognitive dissonance as opposed to being like, let me view everything through a week 17 lens. And so that's why I struggle with some of the stuff where 
I still love Ramondre. I still love Brees. I think they're fairly valued where I could have taken them at the three, four turn, but I'm also like, let's, I know I'm going to have better spots to get them. Like I know mm. I'm going to get those guys in the mid to late fourth. So you're trying to like read the market while also still, you know, sticking to how you want to approach this contest, which is how do I win in the fantasy playoffs? Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I think that also ties back to where you're talking about before where, yeah, like you could lock up a Diggs Allen stack by taking him in the second or taking Allen in the second round. But what if you can push Allen? Then you end up with a better team. And, and Pete beats in my head early on where, you know, just being able to get a Waddle in there, or get a, you know, a Devontae Adams in there or something like that makes your team much more super powered compared to somebody who did reach to complete that stack. Um, I think a lot of it at this point in drafts in August is just letting the board come to you even more. I know, Pete, you always let the board come to you and that's your discipline with that. But in August, especially like just letting the board come to you and then leaning in on the stuff that you get the ADP discounts and making that, you know, what makes your lineup unique. For sure. Uh, Mark, thank you for the chat. Yeah, we got, it's been brutal here. We got Mark, Raise It, and me all in the back. Spags has the right before us, before the icon. But man, like, it's so funny too, we're like letting the draft come to you. But then on the flip side, Spags, at this turn, like the top seven guys, eight guys in ADP just like were not interesting to me. And I had thought like, if I didn't have Dak, I was maybe thinking about going Jared Goff, but then that would have been dependent on Laporta coming back, which he's not coming back anymore. And so, and this was one of the spots of like, all right, I'll just get ahead of, you know, movement and draft two guys that I do think are going to keep inching up in ADP and Rashi Rice and Marvin Mims, obviously not getting any ADP value there, but this is the other effect right where i think we were so used to certain like board textures for a while right like i remember at like pick 84 85 it used to be rashad bateman and zay flowers came off the board and it was just a wasteland now that range it's like oh Traylon burks is there javante williams is there like there's options this range used to also feel good to me like 11 12 it's like you could get your jalen warrens you could get your tank bigsby's now those guys are off the board there and now all of a sudden this is a range that feels super gross so it is interesting how we are actually seeing the board flip and you're having to get more creative than we were previously. Yeah, no, and I think that's certainly, I know we have somebody here in the chat uh, saying that pushing is a luxury for max drafters. That's true. But, you know, I would say, honestly, if you are going to put your money in towards um, an underdog, like you could put in one or two entries in a BBM for it's fun, but you're better off probably maxing a palm or maxing whatever, because you want to be able to give yourself that flexibility and not feel like I have to get in every player who I believe in this year. Um, so I would say to me, like, Maxing out anything uh, fantasy-wise is going to always be the, the right move, I think, to give yourself the exposures you want. Yeah. All right. Let's see what how we beat each other up here on the turn. Trade and paint. I should be able to get Russell Wilson here uh, to complete my double stack with uh, Mims and Judy. We get the bring back um, with Keenan. I don't think raise it would take his third QB on stack there. And then uh, Roshan's a guy I've actually been getting uh, pretty excited about. I think he continues to look um, like a potential breakout pick, even if it happens a little slow, I'm just making sure there's nothing else I'm missing here. Certainly nothing in the wide receiver range. Um, definitely would like to have more Roshan. So yeah, let's do Russ complete that double stack probably done at quarterback now with Dak and Russell Wilson and then we'll grab Roshan as our running back four. So my team now through 14 rounds, Dak and Russ, um, I got Dak with Pollard and, uh, and Cooks. We got Russell with Mims and Jerry Judy. The other running backs, DeAndre Swift, Devon A-Chain, Roshan Johnson, other wide receivers, Garrett Wilson, Keenan Allen, Marquise Brown, Rashi Rice, and then tight end George Kittle. 
Spags, you are about to make your 14th round pick. And why don't you give the people a, a recap of the team here? So far, running back, I've got Ramondre, Cam Akers, James Conner, Jalen Warren, Damian Harris, pretty much values on all these guys, except for Warren. A receiver, Diggs, Waddle, DeAndre Hawkins, big value, George Pickens, Traylon Burks, and Alec Pierce, and a tight end, Mark Andrews, with a little mini correlation with Miami. And then a QB, of course, the star of the show, Anthony Richardson, and we'll see if I take another one here. Um, what's made Roshan come up for you? Like, what in particular? Well, I think his his usage in the preseason game, too, and how much they were using him as a pass catcher and a pass blocker, mm -hmm. I think that's what was really exciting about his position on the depth chart is I think both Khalil Herbert and Deontay Foreman are really good rushers. And I think, you know, Herbert offers a little bit of more explosiveness. Foreman is such like a successful grinder and I think a really competent goal line back. But Roshan, if he can be the guy that's on the field in past situations, that is going to be a real big boon for his fantasy value, um, especially if the team is a little bit more up-tempo this year. I think we've started to see hints of it. Um, you know, even the the pass everyone's joking about where Justin Fields threw it behind the line of scrimmage to DJ Moore. But, like, those were types of plays that they weren't running a lot last year, you know, get doing the quick hitters, getting the ball out. So if you're going to give me a guy in Roshan who's going to be on the field in those situations – and then you still have an ambiguous backfield where there's room for more, whether through contingent value or him just being so good that they don't take him off the field. I, it's hard for that to be a bad pick in this range, you know, at 157. I, I do think, you know, when I did the video uh, on my, I think I posted the short on my, on my TikTok, who is this year's Damian Pierce and uh, Roshan Johnson was one of the guys that got the most feedback of potentially being that guy of like who could rise over the next two to three weeks without an injury, it takes an ambiguous backfield. It's probably someone on the Dolphins, um, but I do think Roshan could be right there with A-Chain as just a huge riser when people realize, hey, he's really good, and none of these other guys are separating. Yeah, I thought the Herbert usage looked good in that game, but I'm glad to hear you're coming a little more on Team Roshan because I've I've certainly had those bags packed for a while now, and I think the talent level for him, the fact, too, that I think he's better as a pass catcher than Herbert, obviously we'll see if that materializes more than it did in that preseason game, but he's a better pass catcher than Herbert, I believe. I think he's a better sledgehammer back than Deonta Foreman. Like, that's the recipe to be able to see as a backfield if things go the right way, and it's still going to be a Bears team where Fields is going to take a certain amount away, and obviously the pass game being better. Uh, but that game, I think, you know, you don't want to read too much into one game, Pete. But I think that game really made me feel like I need to make sure I'm at least with the field on Justin Fields. Because if he takes even a basic leap as a passer to like league average, that team is going to be doing stuff like that every single week. Yeah, I just pulled up my exposures here. Uh, definitely feeling a little thin on on fields. I, I need to boost that. I've done good lately boosting my Lamar because I was pretty low on my Lamar and I've gotten him up a bit. But yeah, at uh, three and a half percent, Justin Fields, um, that feels a little, little worrisome. Yeah, I'm at 8.3 and I feel good about that. I think I got to 8.3 when I was streaming yesterday because um, I got a nice, I had Fields fall to like almost 60 uh, when I took DJ Moore a little bit early. Uh, but I think getting that more Fields combo, really wish I hadn't taken it for granted in the early part of BBM. Um, talk about someone. Uh, going and getting their week 17 correlation. How about Posse here? 140 Zeke, 149 Devontae Parker, 164 Khalil Shakur, 173 Taekwon Thornton. I don't know if you heard, Spags, but the Pats and Bills play in week 17. And Taekwon Thornton, I don't know if you heard, Pete, he caught a pass from Mac Jones finally in practice. <laughs> That's his I, first one of the offseason. <laughs> yeah, minus the one when he was the star of OTAs and then uh, was uh, actually not even on the field at training camp 
you know, we're, we're still trying to figure out what's going on with Tyquan Thornton. Uh, I'm on the clock here. I do have four picks left. Uh, two, five, six, one. Definitely need at least one more receiver. Uh, what am I doing? You know what? Let me get a bring back from Houston here. I will take a sixth running back and add Devin Singletary. I don't know that I needed a sixth here with how how much I got Ramondre at a discount, but I'll go to two six six one. Um, I did just realize it was probably the star method here for for Posse. Uh, the star method got him. Oh. The thing about the star method, I guess I'm trying to think. So the star method started with James Cook. Is that how it started? You got James Cook and then decided I got to build out this New England Buffalo and you start up only doing it. I just don't know if I could blame this one on the star method. Yeah. And also James and Dalvin Cook, which is is cute to get the two brothers together right in a row. Um, so I don't know. I think I think Posse here is uh, just drafting off vibes, drafting off that positive I, I, energy. I think so, too. Um all right, do I actually am I gonna have an easy decision for once? I know my two picks here if if raise it doesn't uh doesn't screw me here. Yeah, so we'll do Jerome Ford. We'll play that opposite of our Garrett Wilson, and then we will stack up. Uh we'll get the triple going here with Dak. Jake Ferguson, another big kind of preseason winner mm -hmm. based on his usage. Looks like he's kind of ready to just do the Dalton Schultz impersonation for the Cowboys this year as a unheralded tight end who just plays all the snaps and earns a decent amount of targets. Yeah. I, I think he would have had a tougher time if Schumacher had been available for all of camp, but sometimes that's all it takes for a guy to, to be able to hold on to the role as the incumbent. And Ferguson last year was better. And some of the analytics I talk about the EPA numbers in particular per target, uh, Ferguson was better for that than Schultz was obviously less volume there. Uh, but I think if he gets that Schultz role, like he's going to be as good as Schultz, um, you know, assuming the offense and the changeover that they're doing there is not going to be too regressive. Um, a few reminders here, guys. I'm close to hitting. What am I at? I'm checking the numbers right now. We're four subs away from 14, eight. So 204 subs away from our giveaway goal. So this is, we're getting very close for you who are not familiar or new to the channel. When we hit 15,000 subs here, I'm going to do a $1,500 giveaway three Lucky commenters will get $500. And the way you get entered is anytime one of these draft streams ends, you leave a comment. That gets you entered. I have a playlist down below. So all of the streams that Spags and I have done drafting BBM4 teams together, all of my best ball breakfasts, et cetera, they're all there. Some of you go back through the archives to make sure you're max entering the comments. I think we're probably close to 70 to 75 total streams that are eligible for the comment giveaway. So you can theoretically have uh, you know, 70 plus entries in this. And I am going to lock it very uh, closely after we hit 15K, which is hopefully in the next week or so. So get your comments in, make sure you're subbed to the channel and we can all celebrate that momentous occasion. And then of course, Spags will be drafting immediately following this show over on the Splash Play channel. What number BBM4 draft will that be for you, Spags? Uh, that'll be number one, two, three for me. This is number one, two, two. So we will be hitting one, two, three on there in Splash Play. 500 subs away, a little bit less than that. So 3,002. So help us hit both our goals. Pete's going to hit his 15K Splash Play. We're, we're working hard. I'm doing five days a week of streams there. We're going to try to get to 3K before the season, but help the boys out here. Show a little love. I know a lot of people who watch all the channels on YouTube are off the not subscribed so make sure to hit the subscribe button it really does help guys like pete and i out here trying to build these in a little micro businesses for ourselves micro micro edges and micro businesses <laughs> well for you i think it's a real business for me i think it's safely classified as a micro business maybe a side hustle if we were in 2020
As long as the micro doesn't apply to everything in your life's bag. <laughs> Even if it does, Pete, we made a baby at some point. <laughs> That's all that it was it was sufficient enough to get the job done at least once. She asked, is it in? But it doesn't. <laughs> no, no, no. This is normally the rhetoric you say for your solo splash play streams, right? True. Yeah, no, yeah. normally, normally that's where things go off the rails here. I did actually think, Pete, I saw that I still have a Mathology's pillow talk above expectation over here. And I was like, should I surprise Pete and do some pillow talk <laughs> above expectation today? But didn't feel like it was the energy with everything going on. That's right. And I got a pick coming up here. Uh, I would like to get at least one more tight end. I think I have my outs of what I'm going to do with this one. Uh, Josh Reynolds going to the 17th. That's Posse is doing something here. Doing something. Uh, yeah. What it, Josh Reynolds, uh, man. And I, and I thought I was worried about getting a little Detroit, uh, bring back on my, on my Dallas stack. Goodness. Yeah, so I'm taking Michael Mayer here for my Las Vegas bring back for the Anthony Richardson stack that I wasn't planning on getting, but he fell right into my lap. How could I pass? Um, so mayor mayor, the one rookie Pete who has had no upward swing, no buzz going his way. And I feel like that's still a thing where I'm happy to draft him, even though it hasn't occurred yet. Yeah. Let's see. What am I going to do here? We are on the clock. Man, I was hoping Henry was going to fall to me. Um, get a little uh, week 16 bring back there. I definitely want to get another running back. Deuce Vaughn. I think I might just play this as a second... Um, bring back on this chargers thing here. Joshua Kelly looks to be the, uh, the clear secondary back there in Los Angeles. Don't have a ton of him. And then, uh, chase Claypool was another guy I had been trying to boost up a little bit here. Kind of have that bet on the bears with Roshan trying to think if there's anything else. Normally I'm, I guess I could also do Gasicki, but, uh, let's, let's do Claypool here. Get another boom bust uh, wide receiver to round things out. End up with a two six eight two build, which is a little rare for me for how much I do three quarterback or three tight end builds. But Dak and Russ at quarterback and Kittle and Ferguson at tight end seems sufficient. So we end up two six eight two. Spags, we can recap the teams when you're done. Which uh, position do you think you're landing the plane with here? So I would have considered taking Hunter Henry too because I have two week thirteen by as a tight end. I don't think that matters at all for tight end though. So I'm just going to shoe. I think getting a third tight end and so I do have the Tennessee double stack. I'm going to take Ryan Tannehill here, assuming the icon doesn't go off the deep end. Um, I'm pleased to hear though how much three tight end builds will come apart of your portfolio because you were initially resistant. And I think you really gravitated towards them the same way I did, and I feel like um, they're one of my favorite builds. I think they'll be my official build of VBM four. Which one, both or three tight? The late three tight end build, like or at least yeah. you know, three tight end in general. Well, the funny thing is, is I was I was doing it a ton at the beginning of BBM, and now I'm I'm kind of course correcting and swinging back because one of my big kind of down the stretch goals after reviewing my portfolio at the halfway point was wanting more of the elite tight ends. So you know I've been boosting up my Pitts exposure. What's he up to? Twelve percent. Um, been boosting my Hawk exposure. Uh, need to do better at that 6%. But yeah, I had so many late uh, tight end builds that I've been trying to catch up here. So Kittle, Hawkinson, Pitts, Waller. Although, man, Waller's tough to get these days. He goes so early um, in all of these drafts that I might just uh, be underweight on Waller when everything ends. 
Posse, Posse here drafted Khalif Raymond and Josh Reynolds to close out a draft. This is one of the weirder drafts I think I've ever seen a team do. And we've seen a lot of weird drafts. Yeah. What? And it's like, it's not, nothing's even correlated with his two quarterbacks. So he has Chicago and Lawrence. I guess he does get Mooney there. He does get Zay Jones. I, it does seem like everything went off the rails at pick 140. Because like everything up to that point was fine. Then Zeke, Parker, Shakir, Thornton, Bourne, Reynolds, Khalif, Raymond. Do you think they were doing a bit to try to snipe all my Detroit potential bringbacks, even though I was done drafting? <laughs> I, I think this is like just a galaxy brain thing here where they were like, oh, we can get the shares of the non-drafted or less drafted New England and Detroit guys. And maybe they like those offenses, but there had to be some logic to it. Or they just gave their child their phone and was like, entertain yourself. And the child just said, ah, oh, Puka or whatever. <laughs> Josh Reynolds. I love Josh Reynolds. And then they Puka, Puka does seem like uh, a pick a kid would really like to make if you gave them, uh, gave them the choice. I agree. It's a great name. Uh, Spags, let's recap these teams. I, I hate to say it, Spags. I'm pretty loath to uh, give you compliments, but I like your team here today. So why don't I you recap up a it? lot of value here, Pete. This is the most value-friendly draft I think I've done this summer. And it is like, it's one of the nice things when you don't pick on the ends. Like being in the middle of the drafts really gives you the ability to like capture stuff like Hopkins falling as much as he did. Obviously, you get the big Ramondre fall. Um, even that Connor fall is, I mean, where did I take? I took Connor yesterday. John Boy Beats made me draft him at 87. So, you know, I'm not even taking ownership of that pick. Um, you get him at, uh, where were you? 104? 104. Yeah. All right, so recap your team, and then I, I will do mine here. All right, I get Anthony Richardson for the glorious day where he's announced a starter. Kenny Pickett, Ryan Tannehill at QB, so three QB build. Ramondre, big discount. Cam Akers, big discount. James Connor, the biggest discount. Uh, Jalen Warren at ADP, discount on Damian Harris, discount on Devin Singletary. Receiver, got Diggs, Waddle, DeAndre Hopkins, George Pickens, Traylon Burks, Alec Pearson, Tank Dell, who is now unfortunately priced in the 16th round. And then a tight end, two bye weeks here, so that is the one real flaw of the team, I guess, would be Mark Andrews and Michael Mayer, but... I like that combo, Pete, and this is this team. I think is probably one of the better ones I've built on stream. Yeah, do you, are you worried it's dead that you have no Seattle bring back on your uh, on your Pittsburgh stack? That's a tough part when Zach Charbonnet goes for two hundred yards because he's a monster and people don't respect him enough and still want to draft Kenneth Walker. But yeah, that's the one flaw too, I guess. Two two tight end buys and then no Seattle bringbacks. This is such a tough scene for you, Spags, because otherwise I know how excited you would be to post this screenshot of the team on Twitter, but you know that bi-week Twitter would just eat you alive. You'd be like, no, guys, look at all the value. Look at all the other correlations, and all anyone would care about on Twitter is the fact that Michael Mayer and Mark Andrews play uh, have the same bye week and week. I never post screenshots from streams we do because I feel like the stream is the posting. Like That act is like it, and Twitter, if they don't see it, then that's on them. They don't get to see this great team that I built. There you go. And uh, I will recap my team as well here from the 12 hole, 2682 build, Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson at quarterback. Did get Russ at a nice value. Pick 156 there. Uh, running back, Tony Pollard, DeAndre Swift, Devon Achain, Roshan Johnson, Jerome Ford, Joshua Kelly. Like that anchor RB room there. Wide receivers, Garrett Wilson, Keenan Allen, Jerry Judy, Marquise Brown, Brandon Cooks, Rashi Rice, Marvin Mims, Chase Claypool at wide receiver, and then tight ends. George Kittle and Jake Ferguson didn't get any Detroit bringbacks. I was kind of hoping um, Laporta would fall back to me, but otherwise uh, just a fine team. It's like not the sexiest team, not the grossest team, but I think it works.
You're putting in teams that can survive at this point is all we can do. Of course, Pete continues to march towards his 150th draft. I continue to march towards mine. It's exciting times here, Pete. We only have 23 days left until the season starts. It's it's insane. Yeah, I can't believe what do I, what am I down to? Uh, 29 drafts. I think I'm gonna be I'm gonna be sad. I'm gonna be sad when all my my BBM bullets are gone. But it's about the friends we've made along the way, Spags. It has been a fun time drafting here. Of course, make sure to subscribe to Pete's channel down below on that March to 15,000 subs. Come join me on Splash Play in a little bit, where I'll be trying to march to 3,000 subs on there. And Pete, I know you got some fun stuff coming up later today on the club. Yeah, what do we got going on today? So I got my office hours in the Fantasy Life Discord. That'll be at 3.30 if you guys want to come and talk shop. And then, yeah, we're having Hayden Winks on. We've been doing weekly winners drafts on the club. I've been enjoying those. I've I'm, I've decided, Spags, I'm going to try to max it. So I've been mixing in some live drafts, some slow drafts here, and really enjoying the weekly winners. Game theory tomorrow, as usual, Best Ball Breakfast with Pat and Sean. Very excited to talk with Sean through some of these new uh, movements here with these backfields. Uh, Jack Settlement's going to be joining us on the Swolecast tomorrow. Everyone uh, was so enthralled by his takes on the club last week that they said, we need to get Kitchen and Jack together to form uh, an insane Voltron of wild best ball takes. And then tomorrow night on Ship Chasing, we're drafting a high-stakes team on the NFFC, it's their silver bullet contest, so a single-entry high-stakes tournament. So that is the schedule for my next two days, Spags. Yeah, it's a fun time here to put up a lot of content. I'm drafting weekly losers on DraftKings on the Splash Play channel, so I'd say come join me over there uh, one of the days this week. I might not do it tomorrow, but it's a fun time, Pete. It is draft season. Uh, I don't know if you saw yesterday, but on Monday, it was your stream. Then I was trying to stream. Liam was streaming. ETR was streaming. The Bad Bros were streaming. And I'm sure there were some others that I didn't see. So it is a competitive marketplace for the stream hours. And I I say it on Pete's behalf. I appreciate your guys' time spent with us. I think it is a, a lot of things to choose from, Pete. And we are, we are thriving amidst the competition competition yeah and i mean how many other streams out there are doing costume changes based on their their quarterback selections i mean that's the kind of prop work and overall production value that you can't get anywhere else that's what people have come to expect from splash play so of course make sure to follow the show at splash play pod follow pete follow pete at peter rovers at follow me at chris spags and, and come hang out with me on the splash play channel in about one minute guys see you there yeah, the second I end this, it will refresh. Head over to the Splash Play channel, or you can just stay right here and you can watch Spag's draft. Another winner. Appreciate all of you guys. Have a great rest of your day. We'll see you later.